What's up, everybody? This is Jimmy Smith, and this is the Unlocking the Cage podcast. On today's episode, I'll tell you what version of Conor McGregor I think shows up at the UFC 264 presser. Also, I'll preview this weekend's co-main event between Stephen Thompson and Gilbert Burns and let you know what a loss does to each fighter. Tonight's presser, UFC 264, this is one of those, I'm going to step back, right? I'm going to understand that my perspective is a little skewed. How do I put this? Um, I don't watch presses. I don't care about them. Hey, I just don't. It's not really my thing. It generates a lot of fodder for people like us, right? For the media, for the pundits, whatever category you want to put me in. It generates a lot of fodder for us but so 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 here's my my question kelly would you watch this thing if you weren't it's if it weren't your job and you got to make notes for us to talk about tomorrow would you watch this thing it depends because i started watching the sport because it's my job and now i love it so yes if i wasn't working here anymore i still would but prior to working here probably not yeah okay um especially like like to me the thing is, to be honest with you, is the thing that makes this, to a lot of people, must-see TV, right? The thing that makes this, oh, my God, Conor McGregor, you know, that doesn't – I'm not a fanboy. That doesn't, that doesn't mean anything to me. I don't really – the festivities around it, not, like, it doesn't – I don't – it doesn't mean anything to me. There is a little bit of a tactical edge to it. Why? I am an X's and O's guy. Right, It's my job, and you guys listen to me and gals. Listen to me because you feel that I have some insight and knowledge about how this sport works. Not just the production and the promotion and behind-the-scenes stuff, which I do know something about, but how someone approaches the fight, how a fight's going to work out uh, based on the strength and weaknesses of both fighters. That's That's what I love about this. To me, it's kind of a chess game. I like figuring out... Uh, what's going to happen before it happens. I like understanding the, the minutia of the actual combat. So normally, press conferences are like everything else I can't stand. It's people saying what they're going to do. It's a bunch of hype and selling tickets and, oh, my God, I get to see Conor McGregor live say whatever. None of it's real, right? And you could argue that Conor McGregor against Khabib when he was getting the dog piss beaten out of him and Khabib was going, hey, let's talk now. Let's hear you talk. Let's hear you talk. And he said, it's just business. That kind of pulled back the curtain a little bit, right? Can he really sell us again that he really feels and means the things he says about his opponent and himself? Because once you kind of pull, you know, peel back the veil, and once you say, "Look, I'm just doing what I can to sell tickets and and you know hype pay per views because that's my job," fine, fair enough. But I also don't have to take it or you seriously about that. I'm not saying Connor isn't a good fighter and can't win. I'm not saying any of those things. But once you tell everybody, "Hey, this is just for business," I don't really mean this stuff. Are things like press conferences what they used to be? That's angle number one. Angle number two is, as far as I am concerned, 
you're dealing with a a more a, a fighter in Conor McGregor who's who looks like he's trying to recapture an old magic, and it used to be natural, and it used to be I don't want to say real because I think it was always a, a bit manufactured, but it used to be natural and easy, and I get under their skin and I do this and that, and I go out and win. What Conor says about winning only makes sense if he wins. Once he stops winning, all that magic things just start unraveling, right? Have you ever heard the expression, Kelly, uh, the two things you never want to see get made are sausages and laws? Have you heard about that? I have not. Right. Two things you never want to see get made is laws and sausage. It's an old rule. Uh, I would add porn to that, by the way, personally. But there are three things. Like, you don't want to see behind the scenes, right? You don't want to see what actually goes into eating, to, to making that hot dog you eat. You don't want to see congressmen debate law. You don't want to, you don't want to be there. You don't want to see what goes on behind the scenes. You want the law. You want what you want. You don't want to see how it gets made. Right? Um... There's a little bit of that to me to this of like, we like the showmanship. We like this. We like that. But like, once you, you get past it a little bit, I don't think there's a whole lot there. And part of the reason I don't like press conferences and I don't like, not not that I I dislike them. I think generally I don't bother to watch them is I've been behind the scenes and interviewed thousands of fighters by this point in my life, probably from my commentary days. And they all say the same stuff, but half of them lose. I've had fighters, you know, we talk about heart and dedication. And the, I've had fighters tear up and cry about how badly they wanted to win the fight. And this is everything to me. And they went out there and they got their asses kicked. I've had fighters that were confident. Them and their coaches were like, oh, you just wait. Within six months, I'm going to be champion. And they lost to a nobody fast. So when you see all those things, like you, meaning most fans, equate what a fighter says with what they do. I've seen a million times fighters who talked like Conor McGregor and Muhammad Ali and couldn't fight like him. It couldn't produce like him, right? So I think I've just been behind the scenes too many times to get wrapped up in the facade of a fighter sitting behind a desk going, I'm going to do this, this, and that. Like, okay, yeah, I've, I've, you know, that, that, it, that doesn't mean anything to me. So I'm not the target market for this kind of thing. But our big question, which version of Conor McGregor shows up to this press conference? Friendly Conor McGregor or crazy Conor McGregor or somewhere in between? Um, what do I think? First off, Kelly, as, as someone that this is geared toward, that you are the person that will watch this either way. I would not if I didn't have to. Um, what? First off, what do you want to see? You are there to be entertained. You are the people that they want to entertain and somewhat inform, although it's more entertainment, this kind of thing. They want to get people like you excited. What would get you excited? Other you know, than Justin Gaethje out there. Or right. If Justin like, Gaethje showed up, that would be a complete done. game changer. All right, all right. Beyond that. To me, this fight doesn't need a whole lot of heat. It's a trilogy and it has what it needs already. But given how Connor's been the last few days specifically, I think we're going to get a combative Connor. But I don't want to see it get out of control like it did with Habib. But also I am not going to change up my position. I thought presser number two was far too friendly. I was like, put the proper 12 down, put the hot sauce away. Like we can do all of this after. Like it doesn't we don't need the exchange right now. So I think it needs 
I, I don't know. I, I don't think it's going to go nearly like the last one did, but I also don't think it's going to be nearly as crazy as the first one was. I think it's going to be somewhere in the middle. I don't Do, think it needs a whole lot already. Right, but like define need. When you I say, don't think it needs really anything. Right, it, it has but, the heat's there. Right, but here's my point. The last time, like there wasn't enough heat. Now they're no, oh, I don't the want to, no, it wasn't. But, there wasn't enough heat. It was just way too friendly. I was like, I don't want to see you guys be like buds up there. Why? Because I just don't. They're about to get in a fist fight. I don't need to, them to did be super, super, super fight? friendly. Of course I did. Would you have watched if it wasn't Exactly. But that goes back to my first point. Everything so that the fight needs is there me. already. It's a trilogy. Right. So, like, the point is I don't care if they come out there and they're – like, you're, you're kind of, to me, proving my point. Like, I don't care what they do up there. Right? You're like, they were super friendly. I didn't like it. And I watched. They're – I don't want to see it go off the top crazy. I do with Khabib. You watched. If they, if it's, no matter, if the scale is zero to fifty, you're gonna watch. So I, I don't get the. You understand? Like you just pointed out my whole point, where it's like you're like, oh, it's too friendly. Did you watch fight? Yeah. Oh, I don't want this to be too friendly. If it is, we watch. Yeah. They, they, they can't miss, right? The only thing that could really change, and I mean this, is if it went so bananas that it got even more mainstream coverage. A am I wrong? That if he and that's what I think, I think we might see a bananas Connor because a he lost, b this is somebody who hasn't successfully gotten under his skin since the first fight. And c it's like I have to really I mean I I can't easily rattle this guy and I have to, right? So we might see a guy like Khabib was easy to upset, right? I mean not he didn't go crazy but like yeah, you give a Muslim a drink and bad things are going to happen, right? You pour it right in front of him. Things like a guy who had a lot of pride and dignity like Khabib, it's easy to upset, man. It's easy to push that pride button. I don't see uh, Justin Gaethje as that guy, and Connor has to, and Connor needs to get on this guy's skin or get some kind of advantage beyond the tactics. And the only thing that could get this thing more press coverage, which, by the way, I saw something on ESPN today about – uh, like the ranking of high school players. Did you see that came out today or whatever? So I was like, oh, yeah, I, let me see if there's anybody from my state, whatever. And I click on it, and the first thing that came up was an ad for Conor McGregor Poirier. Like, buy now. That, like, first thing. You click on ESPN and it's there. So the only thing that could maybe drive more, you know, um, press coverage that's not already getting is, oh, my God, that really got out of hand. Do you get what I'm saying? So I really think all those things might push it a lot further, but what's the damn point? Anybody listening to the sound of my voice is going to watch it. So I, you know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't, I don't really get it. It's always a catch 22 to me. Right, Kel? No, for sure. And I don't think like the Connor that we're going to get, like, like you said, I don't think it has anything to do with the public. People are going to watch regardless. It's Connor McGregor. He could be fighting a rock and people are going to tune in. I think it's more so a question out of curiosity of what Connor's going to try to do to get himself in the zone. Like, I think he's going to be grasping at straws, like, and trying to do what he did the first fight because he won, given how the second fight went. So I think we're going to see a crazy Connor for no other reason than I think he's trying to get himself in that zone, which is, I think, what he's been doing all week. And to me, it reeks of artificiality. It reeks of artifice. It reeks of desperation. It's like... And by the way, I want your opinions about this after the break. one fight 93 1-877-344-4893. What Connor will we see, and does it make one bit of difference? And I'm throwing that out a challenge to my listeners. All right, you ready? I have a challenge for you. 
Could anything either fighter does change your opinion about who is going to win this fight? Is there anything they could do up there? Would you go, you know what? I'm leaning Connor. You know what? I'm leaning point, And I wasn't before, and now I am. I'm really curious about that because I've seen all kinds of reactions from fighters or whatever that didn't necessarily mean that they were out of Like, they're just not that talkative. Some guy's yelling and screaming, I'm going to kick your ass, and dude's just standing there. And I can't tell you which one of those guys is going to win. I, a lot of times the yelling guy wins. Sometimes the guy who's not saying anything wins. Sometimes the guy who doesn't react, you know, wins. Some guy's the guy who overreacts wins. You made him mad, and then he kicked your ass, you know. It, I like, it's, it, it simplifies something that is extremely complex. I know that's that's a little weird, but 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 the deal is most human beings who have never fought for money can't understand fighting without some personal element to it. They just don't get that. You know, you don't walk up to somebody on the street and punch them for no reason, right? Or punch them for money, right? So anytime anyone listening to me has been in a fight, there's a big emotional component to you. Somebody really pissed you off, or you really pissed somebody off, or they said something, or you said something, whatever it was, there's a big emotional component to that. And I think without that, a lot of people don't understand why people fight. And so it's an easy way to translate that experience to your average Joe, right? But I'm telling you, I've seen all kinds of ranges of emotion that didn't mean anything when the fight actually started. I've seen fighters fight mad and win. I've seen fighters fight mad and lose. I've seen fighters fight ice cold and win. I've seen them fight ice cold and lose. I've seen them fight cocky, win and lose. I've seen every combination you can think of. But we tend to see things in emotional ways, and so this kind of, oh, man, he got mad. He must really want to beat that guy. No, you're professional. You're an assassin. You terminate with extreme prejudice. It doesn't matter what you think of your opponent, right? That's the level we're talking about here. Black Diamonds, stories of Negro League baseball. We are off to see the wizard, the legendary Ozzie Smith. A new Sirius XM podcast hosted by Negro League's baseball museum president, Bob Kendrick. He played with passion, with great skill, but also with a little swag. Being compared to an old Negro League player is the honor on top of an honor. They carve a path for guys like me to play this great game. This is what's great to visit with you. You learn all about the black greats that we didn't hear much about. Black Diamonds, available now. Now on the SiriusXM app. Gilbert Dorino Burns, one of my favorites, versus another one of my favorites. Damn it, this hurts. Steven Wonderboy Thompson. So, all right. Here's my number one. Uh, what I just said is, is, is really true, and it kind of hurts my soul a little bit. Are these not two of the best guys in MMA? Like, I love Steven Thompson. Great guy. Extremely friendly. One of the nicest people in mixed martial arts. His style is incredibly entertaining. It's a lot of fun. It's had its ups and downs in the past. But, uh, you know, one of the nicest guys in MMA. Wonderboy Thompson. Everybody likes him. Gilbert Burns. Hardworking. Humble. Had his down times at 155 pounds. Switched weight classes. And that's going to be something I will get back to in a minute. Had a lot of success at 170 a title fight where he was doing very well and then bang knocked out by Kamaru Usman uh does his story continue the winner is on the inside track at 170 it's going to be Colby Covington Colby Covington next according to Dana White for Kamaru Usman the winner of this fight wouldn't surprise me if they got the next shot Kamaru Usman before i get into the the, the nuts and bolts of this fight 
I just want to say, the downside to a champion as good as Kamar Usman, and when it's all said and done, you can make an argument he's number one, okay? Right now, it's still GSP, in my opinion, at 170. But you can make an argument at the end of his career that he is number one. That dude chews through a lot of talent. He chews through a lot of contenders, through a lot of opposition. He's so good, he just you, you line him up, you knock him down. That's what this guy does. And it was the same thing when you look at every champion uh, who would be on your Mount Rushmore of, of MMA. There are those times when they fought somebody that just didn't really belong there. Chael Sonnen against John Jones, right? We have uh, GSP. I would say Dan Hardy falls in that category. Somebody under normal circumstances wouldn't necessarily be fighting for a title. There is for Anderson Silva, Talis Latis. I don't believe that's a guy who was a championship caliber guy. But when you chew through so many opponents, there's, all right, who's next? Who do we have who's on a streak, who's ranked, who hasn't fought this guy yet? And the answer to that question might not be somebody you believe can release, realistically beat him. Kamar Usman is getting to that level. Once he beats, if he does, right? I'm not saying it's a gimme. Colby Covington. He will have beaten Colby Covington twice. And is starting to recycle opponents. He's just been dominant. So the winner of this might get another opportunity, even if it's Gilbert, if it's Gilbert Burns, who got knocked out last time. So, and remember, Kamar Usman keeps looking better and better. So, this is a war between two guys who are really, really likable. Not many people have a bad thing to say about Gilbert Burns or Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. Stylistically. All right. What are the differences here? Now, 38 years old for Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. This might be his last shot. We'll get into what happens if they win, what happens if they lose. I'll get into that in a bit. But, uh, 38 years old, at the end of any kind of championship run he might have. Begins with this fight. Gilbert Burns, not exactly a spring chicken at 34. That is not, you know, young for the combat sports world. Um, but coming off a loss to Kamar Usman, world champion in jiu-jitsu. World champion. Dude is world class. I think it was 2011. He beat Crone Gracie in the finals. Had a great, great fight against Crone Gracie if you're into jiu-jitsu. Uh, anyway... But that was Burns versus Crone Gracie. That's how, how he won his, his world title. He's a fantastic grappler. His striking has really progressed. Uh, his knockout, of course, over Damian Maya, probably the best example of that. Of course, uh, uh, when he gets to the ground, he's an absolute killer. But his, his striking has really come up in a big way. And he put it on Kamal Usman more than once. He did great stuff on the feet. So, um, it's about the trickiness of Wonderboy Thompson's style. He's just the kind of guy that even if you win, it's really hard to look good against Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. It just is. Other than the Pettis fight, we just ran into a shot, bang. Just, you know, Pettis just timed it, caught him, and knocked him out. The Darren Till fight, I thought he won that fight, but it was also awkward and difficult. And, you know, it was it was it looked like a glorified sparring session. They really didn't do a whole lot of damage. It was not a crowd pleaser. When he lost to Tyron Woodley, it's one of the worst title fights I've ever seen. Much like a Damian Maya, who was another opponent of Gilbert Burns, it's hard to look good in victory against Stephen Thompson. He's so tricky. He's so unorthodox. His style is just hard to replicate. Not many sparring partners fight like that. So it is very, very difficult to... Get ready for a guy like Stephen Thompson. You're not going to see many guys who fight like that. 
And Gilbert Burns, despite his serious credentials, he's not a great. Yeah, he 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 took down uh, Tyron Woodley pretty much at will. It's a very faded Tyron Woodley. I don't know if he can take down somebody with the lateral movement of Stephen Thompson, who's so light on his feet and so quick. And I think the takedown is going to be the key to this fight. If Gilbert Burns, even if he doesn't submit Wonderboy Thompson, if he can make the takedown a big factor in this fight, he can win. If he can make the takedown a big factor, meaning some ground and pound, get uh, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson on his butt, ground him a little bit, take away some of that movement, kill some time. Remember, it's only a three-round fight. You can kill a, a, a few minutes on the ground. You can bank some rounds and win the fight. You only need two, right? If his takedown is a fight uh, is a factor in this fight, especially early, I would give it to Gilbert Burns. If he can't, I don't believe his striking has progressed to the point where he can piece up a guy like Stephen Thompson, who has made very very good fighters look pretty silly on the feet. The guy just has real skills and. Great timing, great accuracy, great range, everything you expect from a great stand-up fighter. And he's really motivated. Once again, a loss is devastating for both of those guys. This is Lindsay Rhodes, and I'm so excited for my podcast, The NFL Roadshow, to be joining the SiriusXM sports family. We'll be talking about the most compelling topics and to some of the most interesting people in and around the NFL. Taking a look at things through my somewhat nerdy football lens. I like to push past the low-hanging fruit to get to the real stories that are going to make you feel like a smarter football fan. So please join me every Wednesday for The NFL Roadshow, available on the SXM app and wherever you get your podcasts. Let's run down first. Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. <laughs> Number one, oh my God, Kelly's about to freak out. The dude is 38. Right, Kel? Right? I mean, ancient, right. I knew yeah? how old he was. I knew how right? old he was. What? 38? Like, dude, is that like dead to you? Ariel, are 38-year-olds alive to you? Or are they like corpses that just don't know it yet? They're alive. They're alive, right? Like, you know, the ancient Especially stuff, right? if they're Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. Especially Are you Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. Oh, you're giving up who you want to win right away. Okay, fine. Fine. Be like that. So Stephen Wonderboy Thompson is 38 years old, which is not a spring chicken in MMA years. Yes, he has a very elusive style. Hasn't taken a whole lot of, like, crazy damage. He has been knocked out, but he hasn't taken, like, a lot of crazy damage and all this stuff. Um, only one knockout loss. Strangely enough, Anthony Pettis in a fight, I would have bet my house that Stephen Thompson's going to win. But um, anyway, so here's the deal. He has a very elusive style, a lot of kicks, a lot of angling, but 38 years old. And that style, while he doesn't take a lot of damage, it also is really tricky. It requires a certain timing and a certain accuracy that, unfortunately, for a lot of, you know, combat sports athletes and athletes period that timing and explosive you need to hit that button right when you need it can go quickly and a lot of fighters with unorthodox styles don't age well in combat sports and i mean like a roy jones jr prince nasim hamed uh sergio martinez although sergio martinez started late so he got a little bit of a you know like once it goes it goes right once it goes it's like oh my god chuck liddell it's like went right off a cliff right so he kind of has kind of a tricky style that's hard to figure out, and, and that doesn't tend to have a, a, a long shelf life. So his age is working against him. His style, once again, you ready? Is your, is your, is your brain zen, Cal? Zen. Zen. 
Stan, do you enjoy watching Stephen Thompson's style when he fights? A lot of people don't. I'm curious if you do. Yeah, not particularly. Yeah. Yeah. It's not aesthetic. Can I put it that way? It's not aesthetic. It's not like if I were to, to show somebody, if somebody said, hey, what's this MMA thing? What fighter should I watch to get into it? I would not suggest Wonderboy Thompson. Because it's just like you got to know a little bit to appreciate the style. You know what I mean? He's it's extremely not... disciplined. Like he doesn't right. take chances to make mistakes. Right. So it's kind of just like he keeps himself at bay at a nice distance. It's it's it. Ugh. It's just leave it. I love you like ugh. ugh. No, like I like watching him fight because he's a good guy. So I always want him to win. But I don't like watching his fighting style particularly. It's adorable. Right. But, yeah, it's almost like a Larry Holmes or a Lennox Lewis versus a Mike Tyson, right? There's, you know, the Klitschko stayed behind the jab, kept everybody at range, good combinations, technically very good. But they weren't must-see TV, right? I'm not, I'm not sitting at home watching Klitschko highlights, right? Mike Tyson, I watched it all day. That's kind of the difference. So, stylistically, just not a lot of fans are clamoring to see him fight necessarily, stylistically, right? Also, uh, because he's such a nice guy, Kamar Usman is not – he's got a little bit more of an edge. Like, he kind of fought with a chip on his shoulder the last few fights. We are going to get some you-know-what between him and Colby Covington. Yes? Can you, all right. Can you imagine the downgrade of interaction or upgrade, however you want to put it, between Kamar Usman and Colby Covington? Let's say Kamar Usman wins again, which I would favor him to do right now. Then the next one, Steven Thompson. Like that gear shift, it's it's gonna be like it's like absurd, right? It's absurd to a guy it's, that it's literally McGregor presser one to presser two, like yeah, yeah, a hundred percent giving each other hot sauce and high fives and like you know, it's just it won't get people going. Wow, can't wait to see these guys who hate each other go at it. They don't, and they won't, and it's they don't have that personality. Period. So that really kind of sets the tone for me. It's like. There are a lot of things that make that. Now, stylistically, he's the one guy of all the people that are left, and let's assume he gets past Gilbert Burns, that that you could say, well, you know, Kamala has never fought a guy like that because nobody really fights like that, right? He could be his kryptonite just because nobody really fights like Wonder Boy. But if he loses, there's no pressing reason to get him back on top. Right. Whenever you lose, and I, I want to maybe like back up a little bit and explain promotionally how this works. In my experience, is once a fighter loses, and if he loses, he will be uh, two and three in his last five fights. Lost to Darren Till, lost to Anthony Pettis, beat Vicente Luque, beat Jeff Neal, and hypothetically loses to Gilbert Burns. That would make him um, once again two and three in his last five fights. The promotion has to help you get back on top, kind of. They have to have a reason to push you again. They have to have a reason to give you some kind of spotlight again. Because at 38 years old, you could spend two years fighting nobodies and gatekeepers or whatever, and by the time they're like, oh, yeah, we're ready to give you another push, you're 41, it's over. Right? Like dead. Like death. 41 is like death. You just, you rot and you die. Okay. So, here's the deal. I'm older than that. Here's the deal. Is that once Steven loses to Gilbert Burns, there is no promotional reason to set up the the chessboard to give him a favorable favorable game. Do you get what I'm saying, Kelly? They start going, all right, how can we use you to get somebody else over, to borrow a pro wrestling term? You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Why absolutely. should we make it easy? You're going to get monsters and gatekeepers and, like, guys from Dagestan who are 25-0. and 0. Hey, let's see if they can make it in the UFC. Let's give them Wonderboy, right? Sure. You know? 
Did, did, I, did I tell you? I don't know. This is a tangent that does make a little bit of sense. Uh, my dog, Steeler, I got him from the South LA Animal Shelter. You know about Steeler, right? You've seen of course. Steeler. All right, my bud. Right? I'm my pit bull. He was the tester to see if the dogs were friendly. Did you know that? When I asked him, like, does he get along with other dogs? Like, yeah, he's actually our tester. He's so friendly. We put him in a cage with a dog we find on the street to see if that dog is mean. Because Steeler was so strong and he didn't get upset easily that the dog tried to bite him. Steeler would defend him, but wouldn't kill the dog. That's what it's like being a kid. Like, hey, it was a pit bull. Here's a Rottweiler we found starving to death by the L.A. River. And they put it in a cage with my dog to see if it's friendly. My poor dog was the, 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 like the personality tester for the dogs that came through the South L.A. Animal Shelter, which encompasses Linwood, Compton, all that area, right? So any people they found on the street, the first thing is put them in a cage with my poor dog to see if, he, if it was friendly. That's like being a gatekeeper in the UFC. You get what I'm Your saying? Your dog was literally Derek Brunson. He was literally Derek Brunson with my dog, right? So anyway, anyway, you wonder why he's so, like, cool now he's like you know he's been through everything so anyway um uh but that's kind of the deal is they put you with every rottweiler then you're like oh let's see if this guy can handle it throw him in the and you just can't you can't survive there you can't you just it you can I'll put this you can survive it's hard to thrive right it's hard for the dude to tell them wow look at this performance i need a shot again that's where Wonderboy thompson is going to be i think that's where gilbert burns is as well there's one option though he, Gilbert Burns is all in almost the exact same spot as Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. Okay, um, so the the problem is, should he lose? He's already lost to Kamaru Usman in dominant fashion, right? He wouldn't necessarily be on a losing streak. He would have lost two in a row, which isn't the end of the world. So he could bounce back a lot easier, and he can go back down to one fifty five. I don't know if he'd be good for him. I don't know if he wants to do it at this point in his career. He looks ju- Remember, he came up from 55. Stephen Warner Thompson never did. Can, there is no other weight class he can go to. Gilbert Burns is, A, only on a two-fight streak. It'll only take a couple for him to get back into it. And he's a little bit younger, 34, which is not, once again, not a spring chicken, but he still has some years on him. And he has another weight class he can go to. He has more options. Now, 55 is a freaking shark tank. It's not like going to 55. It's like, hey, this is easy. I'll just win a title here. It's really hard. But he does have that option. Stephen Wonderwood Thompson went through two in a row, right, against Darren Till and Anthony Pettis, and is right here knocking on the door of a title shot. This would be Gilbert Burns' two in a row. Sucks. You don't like it. But he could still build back and get there, especially with Kamara Usman being the lawnmower of 170 pounds and wiping out everybody. They're eventually going to circle back. Gilbert Burns has has just a, a, a more visually pleasing style. And the UFC has more reason to get behind him than they do to get behind um, Wonderboy Thompson. Does that make sense, Kelly? It's kind of like how the promotion sees you as well. Yeah, no, I think, like, there's a lot of different factors, like you said. Like, Wonderboy Thompson, I don't think casual fans love to watch him. You like to watch him if you know him and you respect the sport. Gilbert Burns, it also helps that his first loss, if he does lose two in a row, was to Kamara Usman, the champion, you know? Right, right. Not that it's great either way, but it does help. It's not like he lost to some scrub and then lost to Wonder Boy. Like, he lost to the champion, had him in trouble for a split second, too. Not for long, but for a split second, and then lost to Wonder Boy. So, it helps. Who's super tricky. Who doesn't really represent, like, the rest of the division, right? 
This division, when you look at it, too, is starting to age out a little bit. And what I mean by that is when you look at the actual rankings themselves, um, a lot of those fighters, and and it's it's not wrong when Kobe Covington's like, oh, you know, he beat, you know, he beat, Kamal Usman beat Damian Maia after I beat him. He beat Javier Los Angeles after I beat him. He did, well, a lot of guys were just aging out of the division. And so a lot of these guys built their names on guys who had maybe had better years earlier. Um, for example, uh, definitely, definitely Damian Maia is aging out of this division. Remember Robbie Lawler aged out of the division. Tyrod Woodley aged out of the division. You know, two of those guys, former champions. Um, Jorge Masvidal, I don't know how many more he has left in him. We're just starting to see maybe like, okay, like the, the old guard kind of fading away. So that new blood needs to come back. That new blood needs to come up. Serious XM Podcasts.